I'll say it again. Merry Christmas. You know, it's two days, guys. I'll say that again. Guys, it's two days. Gotcha. Just making sure. Don't want don't to be on the hook for that. No, and hopefully there's excitement about what's coming. About what we're remembering. I mean, we've, we've been in our house and we're those mean parents. So there's just all these presents around our Christmas tree. So usually the kids want to open a present. There's excitement about getting the presents. And so they're bugging us about opening presents. And there's something about, I remember as a kid, like the night before Christmas, not being able to fall asleep because I was excited about the morning and what the morning would be. There's something in my heart this morning that I'm just excited about the gift. I'm excited about what God has given. I'm excited about the, the birth of the Son, Jesus Christ, and, and, and what that means for me. And we've been looking at this gift, and, and probably because we're talking about the gift that God has given, the one that, remember my supposition was like 700 years before, he was so excited, he had to start giving clues, or like unpacking completely what the gift was going to be. Remember he said that, that we, we, we talked about that the gift that was being revealed was going to be wonderful counsel. He would be called a wonderful counselor. Man, I need a wonderful counselor in my life at times. Man, I need some wonderful counsel sometimes in life, whether it's in marriage or parenting or just decisions. I need wonderful counsel. And God has provided that for us through His Son, Jesus Christ. There's, there's times, and, and again, it's, as we, we looked at that word we talked about last week, that, that He's a, a mighty God, that Jesus would be a mighty God. I mean, how many times do we feel weak and unable? How many times does the mountain seem too big or the giant too tall that I've been given a mighty God? And I can't wait for the gift. Think about the giants that will be slayed with my gift. I mean, if I get a Nerf gun, I think about how many times I can shoot my brothers. The potential of what I can do with this. The gift that God has given. We've been on Isaiah chapter 9. For to us a child is born. And to us a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatest of his government and peace there will be no end He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that day or from that time on and forever. This is the zeal, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish. So I'm just going to pray. God, I thank you for your presence. I thank you for the revelation of your presence with us. God, I thank you for the assurance of your love that's in this place. God, I thank you for the gift. And as we look at the gift, I pray for us in this room, God, for our hearts and minds that we would hear Your voice this day. The Word made flesh amongst us. 
God, I pray for me as I deliver the words. God, as I speak your word, I pray that, that every part of Steve would be yielded to you, God, and only what you would want us to hear would come forth. Help us to hear from you. Help us to be transformed. Help us to be excited, passionate about the gift that is your Son, Jesus Christ. This morning, as we look at this, uh, we've gone through Wonderful Counselor, we've gone through Mighty God, and now we're going to talk about Everlasting Father. And I think, on a surface level, this seems like an easy one, right? God the Father, that's easy for us. We get the first person of the Trinity, He's God the Father. That's one that we talk about. But the challenge that I started to wrestle through in my heart is, is kind of the paradox of this verse. Now, a baby's going to be born and the government will be on his shoulders. Does a baby seem like one with authority and power? And then God has given His Son and His Son will be the everlasting Father. So like in my brain, I'm saying, we're not talking about God the Father here, we're talking about Jesus Christ, God the Son, Yet His name will be called Everlasting Father. And in my heart, I'm wrestling like, how is the Son the Father? Like, how does this work? I mean, and, and honestly, when, when you have debates, there are some uh, people today who don't believe in the Trinity. That's the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That they're three parts in one. They will use this verse from Isaiah chapter 9 and argue with the Trinity. Because it's talking, it's calling the Son, Father. And how? How does that happen? I wrestled with God this, this week because this is Christmas morning. I'm like supposed to read the Christmas story. We're supposed to act it out. It's supposed to be simple and easy. And God's got me going in depth into His Word trying to, to figure out what he's, he's truly communicating. I do sense that if you track with God and where He's taking us this morning... Your brains are going to have to engage a little bit. I'm sorry. Well, I'm not really, but that's kind of what's going to happen. It's going to be, I mean, I know it's Christmas and we've got the lights and we've got hams in the oven or turkeys. I mean, whatever. Just for a moment, let your brains engage and wrestle through this paradox. Like, how can the Son be called the Father? How is it that, that God is, is bringing this truth? I mean, again, this is God describing the gift that He's given. This is God describing or, or foreshadowing or, or giving you the picture so you become excited about the gift that He's going to give. And we get wonderful counselor. We can get mighty God. But how is the Son, the baby, an everlasting Father? This morning is... Real challenging. I'm going to ask you a question. What makes someone a father? And now we're going to go, before we get too, too deep, don't get your brains engaged too far, what makes someone a biological father? They give someone life, right? I mean, it's as simple as that. For someone to be considered a father, they do what? They give life. They're the ones who, who give life. So as we look at this in the beginning, uh, I want to focus on just that simple aspect of a life giver. 
For someone to be called father, they must give life. I'm, I'm sure none of you have ever heard this. I've seen it in a movie somewhere. I, I gave you life and I'm not afraid to take you out of it. Or I brought you into this world. I'm not afraid to take you out. You know what I'm talking about? You've heard that? Nope. Okay. You were a better kid than I was. Or your father had more self-control than mine did. One or the other. I mean, I'm not saying... Father is life giver. Some scripture about this. John chapter 14. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Romans chapter 6. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, death, But the gift of God is eternal life where? Where is eternal life? It's in Jesus Christ our Lord. It's in Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He says, I am the life, right? Romans is saying that eternal life is is where? It's not found somewhere else, but it's found in one place. And that one place is in Christ Jesus. He is the source of everlasting life. My eternal Father is Jesus Christ because He is the one who is able to give eternal life. He is life and He's the one in whom life is found. It's in Him. 1 John chapter 5, and this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is where? It's in His Son. Whoever has the Son has life, and whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. He shall be called Everlasting Father. Why is the Son called everlasting father because the son is the one who is eternal life the son is the one in whom eternal life is found he is the father of everlasting he is the everlasting father because that's the source he's the biological if you will father how do we see this john chapter 3 There was a Pharisee. There was a man named Nicodemus who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs you're doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless what? They're what? They're born again. What does that mean? Well, Nicodemus says, how can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus says, surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. And Jesus said, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and of the Spirit. Because flesh gives birth to to flesh, but Spirit gives birth to Spirit. What is the implication? John chapter 3, if we continue on this chapter, verse 13, no one has ever gone to heaven except the one who came from heaven. That's the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes in Him may have eternal life or or believes may have eternal life in Him. 
We've heard this verse. For God so loved the world, he gave us one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but to save the world through him. Do you hear what's going on in this chapter? There's a man named Nicodemus, and he says, Jesus, like you're talking about the kingdom. What do we have to do to get into the kingdom of God? When I was born of the flesh, on my birth certificate, they wrote Robert Mallory. He was my temporal father, right? He was my biological father. He was the one through whom him and my mom, I was given life. So he could take me out of this world. But that was that simple. Nicodemus is saying, what do we have to do to enter the kingdom of God? And Jesus says something perplexing. Imagine this grown man when someone looks at you and says, you must be born again. What? Like I got to go back in my mom and come out again? I don't get what you're saying. Isn't that what Nicodemus really is wrestling with? Got to come out of the womb again. What is he saying? You were born of of the flesh and you were given an earthly father. But now, but now you must be born again. Why? Because there's a spiritual father. There's an everlasting father in whom you must find life. He is the means. He is the way for for everlasting life. He is the father of salvation. Salvation can come through no man but through him. He's looking at this prophet and he's saying, you're wrestling with with the idea of being born again. The reality is you need a spiritual rebirth and the Father of your salvation is Jesus Christ. There's no way for that but through the everlasting Father. I know, we we talk about the Trinity, God the Father, and, and it's hard for us sometimes, but the reality, the truth of His Word is that everlasting life comes through one way. That was Jesus Christ. God sent His Son into this world. Why? So we would not die, but have everlasting life. Everlasting life that comes in Him, it comes through Him, it comes by Him. He is the everlasting Father. Jesus Christ. He is the giver of life. He is the Father of salvation. I looked at this word because interestingly enough in Hebrew when we, when we look at this, this translation Hebrew chapter 9 when it comes to everlasting father it's one word. And so I'm like I'm not a Hebrew scholar. I studied Greek some in college. I don't know a whole lot about Greek so um, I really got to dig when it comes to that. But anyway it was this, this five letter word and I'm not even going to try and pronounce it. I'll spell it A-B-I-A-D. I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce it in Hebrew. Like I said I'm not a Hebrew scholar. A-B-I-A-D. And so I'm wondering, well, okay, I'm not a smart man, but what I like to start with is let's see where this is used somewhere else in Scripture. Well, guess what I found? Nowhere else. Come on. I'm preaching this Sunday. So then I looked at the Word. And I saw that A-D means eternal or everlasting. That's the the end of the word. I guess we could call that the suffix, right? 
The prefix A-B-I. Does anyone want to take a guess at what that means? Father. Have we heard the word Abba? Kind of that same idea. So, so literally, it's a word that has A-B-I, which is the prefix for Father, and then it has, at the end, this, this suffix for, for eternal. And then I saw, because I couldn't find that word, I found a bunch of other words where the prefix was A-B-I. So I started to look at the way those words were translated, thinking maybe I can learn something. I saw a pattern. There's a word that meant father of joy. There's a word that meant father of help. A word that meant father of majesty. A word that meant father of might. A word that meant father of Jesse. I mean, I mean, we had all these, these words. The word that meant my father is goodness. My father is peace. The reality that I started to discover when it comes to everlasting father was I was looking at the word, He will be called Father of Eternity. He will be called Father of the Everlasting. John chapter 1. Yet to all who did receive Him, to those who believe in His name, He gave the right to do what? Who can give the right to become a child? Right? He was our Father of eternity. Yet to all who did receive Him, to those who believed in His name, that's the name of Jesus Christ, He gave the right to become children of God. Children not born of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born how? Of God. The Word became flesh. He made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. No longer is my identity my natural descent. I became a child of God because I was born again through Jesus Christ. I became a child of God because something happened and I was born of God. I confessed Jesus Christ as Lord. I believed in my heart that that God raised Him from the dead and I became something different. You're something different because of the gift God has given in His Son, Jesus Christ. So long we, we, we hold on, we wrestle with our identity, our identity in, in, in the name that we've been given. You've been given a holy name. You've been given a, a righteous name. You were born of God. That means you have the name of God upon you. He is your everlasting Father. John chapter 3, when we were looking at those verses, Nicodemus was talking about what? The kingdom of God, right? What is the kingdom of God? I mean, that's a big topic, Pastor. Now you're going really deep. The kingdom of God is all of our promise through Jesus Christ. 
The kingdom of God is, is, remember John, when he was baptizing, he was saying what? The kingdom of God is, is near. Jesus, even as he talks, said the kingdom of God was coming. But upon his death and resurrection, the kingdom of God is here. And so Nicodemus is saying, well, how do I get into that kingdom? Now, in the United States, when we talk about George Washington or Thomas Jefferson, what do we call them? Founding fathers. We call them presidents, too. That's a good answer. Wasn't what I was going for, though. I can do that because that was my wife. And then I can deal with that one later. Jesus Christ is the founding father of the kingdom of God. Jesus Christ is the founding father of what God has promised you. Not only is he the founding father, but he's the way, he said, to the promise that God has given through the revelation of his kingdom. Jesus, Jesus Christ is, he says in another place, I'm the door, right? He's the door through which we enter the kingdom of God and all that God promises. He's the father that, 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 that seals that promise. Who gives an inheritance? Yeah, I mean, if you read the Old Testament, typically, the inheritance, it comes from what? It comes through the father to his children, Right? The assurance of the kingdom of God, the inheritance of God's kingdom in your life is coming because of your everlasting Father that is Jesus Christ. And if He said it, it is yours. Think of that gift. Think of what He's given. Yeah, He's given you wonderful counsel. He's given you the the power, the ability. But He's given you the way to the beauties of His kingdom. He's not just given you counsel to help you where you are, to help you see the reality of your life. He's not just given you mighty God, which is one that has overcome sin and death, right? That's the the greatest promise, the greatest miracle, I believe, that comes through the blood of Christ is the forgiveness of sin, the fact that my sin can be forgiven because of the remission of sin from 2,000 years ago. That's an incredible miracle that I can become a new creation. But He's given me a way. He's given me a way to, to the promise, which is His Son, Jesus Christ. The Father, the everlasting Father, the Father of eternity that is mine. Who can take away your inheritance? Ain't nobody can touch it, right? Who can take away the inheritance that your Father has given you? Scripture says that we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. That means I have something that I'm due from the Father. It's mine. My, my, my inheritance is the promise that He has gone to prepare a room for me, right? He says, in my Father's house are many rooms. That happens right before He says, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and life. Thomas says, how do we get there? And Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. The way to the promise of eternal life is through Jesus Christ. What are you opening? Like, seriously, I, 
my brain is in awe of the gift. Yeah, the Son is called the Father because He's given me eternal life. He's given me eternal life. Because He's the Father of eternity. The question I have is, what are you doing with the gift God has given? I mean, someone can give you a great gift. They can give you the perfect gift. I mean, a couple of years ago, sorry, Tim, telling on you now, I bought a perfect gift for my wife. She's got a gift from the Lord at singing, so I gave her a way to record it. I bought her a mic that she could hook into her computer. I thought she could make CDs for everybody. Everybody be happy, all good, perfect gift. Yeah, amen. How good is a gift when it doesn't get out of the box? And how does the one who gives feel? There's a perfect gift. There's an incredible gift that God has given each and every one of us. His name will be called, it says, Wonderful Counselor. His name will be called Mighty God. His name will be called Everlasting Father. His name will be called Prince of Peace. That's a gift that God has given to you. He's given you the ability to life. He's given you the way to eternal life. What are you doing with it? Are you receiving the gift or are you leaving it packaged in a box in the closet waiting for that time when you'll want to use it? The time is today. The gift that He's given is yours for today. I can promise you, I can promise you without a doubt in my mind, if I went up to Children's Church right now and I grabbed Levi or Avery and I had a box right here with their name on it, I would have to tell them not to open it. And they may have no idea what it was inside, but I can guarantee you they're pulling it out. It's that time of year. I've been able to watch a Christmas story now. Remember Fragile? It's a lamp! He didn't care what the gift was. He's throwing that stuff. Tim said, if you ever did that in my living room, I would beat you. Throwing that stuff all over the living room and it wasn't the excitement to receive the gift. I'm telling you, there's a great gift. There's an incredible gift. There's the perfect gift. The gift that God has been preparing since the very beginning of time. Even before there was time, He says, I was. That's Jesus Christ who says that. Even before it was, God has been preparing for this moment. He's been talking about it for 700 years. He's been talking about the revelation of this gift for 700 years at least. Now 2,700 years at least. Because He wants to be the Father. The everlasting Father. 
in your life. I can promise you, He's a God. He's a Father who loves. I know sometimes Father is hard for us when we haven't had good earthly fathers. But good fathers, they love. Good fathers provide. Good fathers protect. Good fathers they leave some kind of inheritance, right? Whether it is it is uh, physical or it's just spiritual or it's just integrity. What the what you, what your children have learned from you? That's the good father that that God wants to reveal in your life. That He sent His Son Jesus Christ, so it could be revealed in you. We have to receive. Tim, if you can come forward. Marine, if you go back to John chapter 1, verse 12, I want to read those verses again. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Who did he give the right to? To all who did what? He gave them the right. To be called children of God. This morning you have the right to be called a child of God. You have the right to the gift that God has given. You have a right to the fullness of the promise that comes through this gift if we receive it. We'll be children not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but we will be born of God. Think of that gift. You will be born of God. What does that mean? Like, he says, not anymore of this natural descent. Not anymore am I governed by my flesh. We read in, in the epistles of, of wrestling with the flesh and, and the identities of the flesh, but we're now born of God. I'm no longer temporary, but I'm eternal. I may die in the flesh, but that's only a moment because I have eternal life that's in Jesus Christ. The Word became flesh. He made His dwelling among us. We have seen the glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Will you receive, you can turn it off, will you receive the gift? Will you actually open the package? Know, like, be amazed by what's before you. And then get it out of the box. I think so many times we feel like we've unwrapped the package. Tim received the microphone, she never got it out of the box. She never used it for what it was intended for. When we do the same thing with God. When we receive the gift, we feel good about it. It becomes a security. I've received the gift. But are you utilizing it? 
Are you using it for the reason the giver gave it? God desires that not one of us would perish. He desires that not one of us would, would be governed by the God of this age or by, 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 by the temporary father of this world. He desires that every one of us would find life. That's everlasting life. I'm going to tell you, we say Nebraska's the good life. That's the good life. The promise of the inheritance that I have through Jesus Christ. The promise that even though I struggle with sin, I'm no longer under the authority of sin because sin was defeated through Jesus Christ. Sin was defeated through the cross and what Jesus did. No longer does that determine my eternity because my eternity has been given to me through Jesus Christ. Father, I pray for us all this day. Everyone in this room. God, I believe every one of us, there's a gift. The gift of your Son. You promise to all who receive that will be called children of God. You promise to be the everlasting Father in our lives. So God, all across this room, Father, for each and every one of us, I pray that as we hold this gift, as we unpack this gift, as we unwrap this gift, God, that we, that we receive what this gift means. I believe you're a wonderful counselor. You've spoken to our hearts. I believe the Spirit of God has, has been counseling our hearts in, in this moment. God, I believe that you're a mighty God, that, that sin is not more powerful than you. And I believe, God, that you're an everlasting Father, that the way to life is in Jesus Christ. It's a simple prayer. I quoted it before. It's in the book of Romans. Scripture says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, if you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, the promises you will be saved, the promises you will experience entrance into the kingdom of God, you will be born again like Nicodemus wrestled with, not of the flesh, but of the Spirit. God, I pray for us all this morning. I pray that we would receive that gift. in Jesus' name. As Tam leads this chorus, I would open up the altar. If you say, Pastor, I, I hear the words you're saying, but I still, I'm wrestling with the reality of those words in my life. I don't understand how to receive. I don't understand what this all means. I'd love a moment with you. I'd love to be able to share with you. I'd love to be able to talk with you, answer questions, pray with you. If there's other promises, there's other things in the kingdom of God that, that you need to experience in your life, we haven't had a time for prayer today, I would open up the altars at this time for those things as well. All that is ours through Jesus Christ, the Father who loves, who provides, who protects, we just have to receive. A firm foundation my Father is a firm foundation. His promise is true. His gift is yours. 
Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you. May he turn his face towards you and grant you his peace. And may you receive the gift of the everlasting Father. May you receive the eternal life that God so longs for you to have. May you open the box and use the microphone and watch what God can do through the eternal life that he's given you. Yeah, it's cool. Because of my analogy, I didn't plan this. Pam can use the gift and now she can bless others because she uses the gift. Amen? You can use the gift. You can bless others because of the eternal life that God has given you through His Son, Jesus Christ. Amen? Be blessed.